Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. Today I am interviewing my friend Leyland Obershalty. Leyland and her fiancé run Rosebud Heritage Farms located in the Napa Valley in California, where they raise heritage breed hens for their eggs, as well as heritage breed hogs. Before we get to today's episode, I wanted to read one of the lovely reviews my listeners have left. I I told you last week I was going to start that, so I remembered to do it today, so I'm going to do it here. So the first review comes from R Milbar 22. <laughs> that's what it says. So that's what I'm reading. It is a five-star rating saying, I'm so excited to hear the stories from other women in agriculture. This podcast feels so much of a needed void to help us stay connected and feel less isolated. Thank you, Caitlin. Well, you are so welcome, R Milbar 22. It is my pleasure to share the stories of these amazing women. And if you, the listener, are looking to fill in the gap that R.M. Milbar has brought to our attention, we have a group for this podcast. The Rural Women Podcast Community is over on Facebook. It has started just last week with Kelsey's episode, and we already have, I think there's over 60 members already, so it is growing And I want you to join. So just head on over to Facebook and you can either look up Wild Rose Farmer and join from there, or you can look up the Rural Woman Podcast community. And I hope you join. And if you would be so kind as RM Milbar 22 to leave the Rural Woman Podcast a rating and review wherever you listen, I would be greatly, greatly grateful. How many times can I say greatly and grateful in one sentence? Probably not enough because I just love hearing from you and I like to know that you're liking the podcast. Your support means so much to me. And yeah, it's overwhelming. That's all I can say. (laughs) All right, let's get to the episode. Here's Leland. Good morning, Leland. How are you? I'm wonderful. Caitlin, thanks so much. Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast. I am so excited to be talking to you this morning. I Likewise, I got so excited when your post came up about this. I think this is fantastic. Yeah, it's it's an exciting adventure for me for sure. So (laughs) for the listeners who are not familiar with who Leyland is, give us a little bit of an overview of who you are and what you do. Oh, yeah. Okay. So my name is Leyland. Um, I'm a second, technically second generation farmer. Um, I live in uh, Northern California, specifically a little area just outside uh, the Napa Valley, which, um, you know, obviously world famous wine region, but our little, our little valley is tucked just to the east. Um, It's much quieter. There's, (laughs) there's a lot more vines and a lot less people, which is the way that we like it. Um, and I am half of the kind of owners, operators of Rosebud Heritage Farms. Um, we are a very small scale operation that focuses predominantly on heritage breeds, um, as well as serving um, our you know, community here in the Valley. We like being able to offer something that's, you know, a little outside the norm. Right. 
So you mentioned that you're a second generation farmer. Did you grow up on a farm near where you are now or was it elsewhere? I live exactly 1.18 miles from the house I was born and raised in. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I was raised on a, I say farmer kind of in a loose term. Um, I was raised on a vineyard. Um, my dad has been a grape grower for the last, um, well, the last 40 years now. Um, and so I was raised out in the middle of nowhere on 1500 acres. We ran amok in the vineyards. Um, we also had a giant garden. We raised a lot of our own meat and there was a time where I thought that I was going to go into grapes. Um, I did work in the wine industry for a number of years, but I've discovered that, uh, animals are definitely where my passion lays compared to, uh, you know, growing, growing grapes and making wine. So. Right. For sure. Was there ever a time that you doubted that you would be in the agriculture field one way or the other? You know, there was a period of time in college where I bounced around because I wasn't enjoying where I was at. I was having trouble finding something I wanted to do with my life. I thought I wanted to be a wedding planner. Um, and I did work in that industry for a couple of years. I ended up getting a degree in marketing and public relations, which thankfully is fairly applicable across Every industry, you just have to know enough about your industry so that you can properly promote it, if you will. Right. Well, and now that you are planning your own wedding, uh, you still want to be a wedding planner when you grow up? Good Lord, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I um, I helped plan weddings. I worked for a wedding planning company in college, and uh, the uh, the final straw, I actually had a bride throw a shoe, and I said, you know what? This industry is insane. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, cool. that's that's kind of the the epitome of bridezilla. Most women are amazing, but I just uh, yeah, not not my true calling. As much as I enjoy it, it's uh, I'm better at other things. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So tell us what a typical day looks like for you on Rosebud Heritage Farms. Well, my days generally start about four thirty, four forty five in the morning. Uh, and while the house is quiet, I have my coffee. I do all of our billing, all of our invoicing, any kind of correspondence that I need to do with customers or, um, you know, clients or things like that. I generally don't feed in the morning until it gets light just because it's, our farm is so muddy right now. It's, there's no point in stumbling around in the dark just because you usually end up face down in the mud. Um, so I'll do some work. Um, I try and shape my household into some form of, I don't know, respectability. It doesn't always work. My house is always dirty because I have two dogs. But then I usually go outside. We have 300 chickens. We have a dozen hogs. And we also have a horse on the property now as well. And so I go into our garage, I make up um, all the all the grain that I feed my horse, and then I walk up to the barn, which is probably only about 500 yards from our house, and then I go through the routine. Um, between feeding, watering, fluffing beds, collecting eggs and stuff like that, it takes about an hour. And, you know, just head count, make sure everybody's good. I have a kind of a binder that lives up me. I track all of our sow's heat schedules. You know, I check processing dates and stuff like that. Once I'm done with that, I will either go back into the house and do some more work, whether on the farm or, um, you know, we're looking to grow our operation. So I'm always looking for grants and, you know, land for sale and stuff like that. Um, I also bookkeep 
a little bit on the side. And so depending on the day of the week, I will sometimes come into town um, and spend a couple hours at my office taking care of my bookkeeping clients and then um, go back home and do it all over again. I love it. Now that it's daylight savings, I can actually spend a couple hours outside in the evening, really, you know, doors falling off hinges and, you know, cleaning out trash cans and stuff like that. It, it doesn't sound very exciting, but that I get to do it in the light and usually about 62 degree weather is really exciting this time of year. <laughs> I'm all about the light and we're putting this on the first day of spring. So I am. I know. I'm so excited. So despite exciting. The fact that it's raining. <laughs> right. Well, I hate to tell you it's sunny here, but there is still yeah, snow it's okay. on the there is still snow on the ground so if that makes it better yeah well we always you know those of us that live here in california we always feel bad talking to our friends in the midwest where they're like yeah it's below zero and snowing and we're like yeah it's 60 degrees here <laughs> so well it just it makes us appreciate the warmer weather a little bit more than you think yeah so, i think so we definitely take it for granted that is for sure yeah that's our only advantage i promise you that so <laughs> So tell us why you chose uh, your heritage breeds uh, for your chickens and your hogs instead of conventional breeds that most farmers would have. You know, there's a, there's a lot of little reasons that tie into that. Um, I was going through a period where I was really, I was in the wine industry, but I was really frustrated. I wasn't enjoying my work anymore. And I was kind of casting around looking for other alternatives. And I came across a farmer in Florida who was raising Osogs, which are a heritage breed, as well as Pineywoods, which is a heritage breed of cattle. And I was absolutely fascinated by it. And so I started doing research into it, realized that there are so many incredible breeds that produce so many wonderful products that are at risk of basically going as extinct because they don't come to market weight in four to six months. They, you know, they may only lay 200 days out of the year. There's a lot of really incredible reasons. And another one was the fact that, you know, we live, like I said, we are just outside the Napa Valley and we live in an incredible culinary climate. And, you know, everybody you know, if you, you, pork chops are great. Everybody loves them. But if you have the ability to serve something that's a little different, that's going to be fresher and, you know, isn't just plain white and boring, it's an incredible opportunity. And so, so fortunate. We've received a ton of fabulous feedback um, from chefs and from our customers who love the fact that our pork is a little different. And the fact that our chicken eggs are bigger in different colors. And and it's also doing our part. I mean, you know, these breeds were raised for hundreds of years. And only in the last 50 to 60, you know, 70 years have these breeds fallen by the wayside. Because the American food landscape and the, you know, the international food landscape for that matter is it's about quantity. It's not necessarily about quality. And so for us, it's just our way of kind of taking back the past and giving these breeds a chance at, you know, continuing on. And it's, it's really neat. It's really special because when we run into hog people or chicken people at other places, we have the ability to talk about these breeds and people get really excited. And it's, it's been such a neat experience. I, you know, it's hard to articulate, but it's been really fun. Your hogs are fascinating to me. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. They they graze on your property, correct? They don't root and just eat the grass? Um, yes and no. 
so we have our primary breed of hog little black ones that are called american guinea hogs um they are grazers they love they prefer to graze on grass and eat grass and things like we're digging around in the soil and digging giant holes um <laughs> the other side of that coin is our pro- our primary breeding sow rosie is a hereford herefords will dig to china if given the chance <laughs> So it's a little bit, it's a little bit of a juxtaposition there, but um, for the most part, the guinea hogs, when they're out grazing around, they do great. They just want to eat the mustard that's in the vineyards and eat all the grass and stuff like that. We have to keep a very close eye on Rosie because she will start tunneling if given the opportunity. Um, We raised her in the yard, actually, for a couple of different reasons. We didn't have a lot of space, and so she spent the first two months of her life with us living in our yard. And that's why we can't have nice things. <laughs> she completely destroyed my yard. So, you know, it, it is what it is. But yeah, it's the guinea hogs are really neat. And they're perfect for people who want, you know, something that can live in a backyard, things like that. They're a lot easier to manage because they will happily just eat grass versus, you know, digging up your garden beds and stuff like that. Right. And I was telling my husband about these pigs because I'm trying to convince him that I need to add pigs to my goat herd. And I told him about your pigs and how they're grazers and how they won't dig anything up. So I'm still working on it, though. I love it. I think we should do it. (laughs) (laughs) They're so neat. I have never had hogs like this. You know, they are so fascinating. They all have such incredible personalities and even when we had our guinea hog, he was 400 and probably some odd 25 pounds. And he was a marshmallow. He had the best personality of any boar I've raised. And he was so affectionate. And, you know, it, it makes all the difference when you have pigs like that that make the experience so incredible, you know. How long are the pigs on your farm for then from birth to call? Um, about 10 months is generally about our typical grow time. Um, They do harvest a lot smaller than your typical market hog. You know, an average market hog goes to to processing at about 250, 275 pounds, um, and you end up with, you know, 150 some odd pounds of meat, whereas guinea hogs will process at about 125, and you end up with about 90 pounds of meat. So they're definitely a lot smaller, but the quality of the meat is incredible. It is actually a red meat. It's not white like pork typically is. It's the most incredible vibrant red and it is has an absolutely out of this world flavor. So that's so interesting. I have to get my hands on one of these pigs. I think we can make it happen. I've got a friend who lives in Michigan. She breeds them too. She's close. <laughs> Leyland, tell me about some of the challenges that you have faced either recently or overall as a farmer. You know, it's, you learn day by day. You think you know everything and Mother Nature loves to, um, and I'm going to quote someone I used to work for, as soon as you start thinking you're the master of the universe, Mother Nature is more than happy to beat your ego like a cheap pinata. <laughs> I love that. And And it's, you know, and it's true, you know, we have little challenges like the fact that we have clay-based soil and so everything is always muddy, escalating up to the fact that because we have standing water from all of this rain, our animals are getting sick. Um, You know, we had a pay, we had a little guilt with pneumonia 
um, about a month ago, which was really tough. Um, I was on the farm by myself. My fiance was out of town for a fishing trip and, um, I was trying to meet with book clients. I was trying to get a hold of a vet. Um, you can't get antibiotics over the counter here in California any longer. And so all of your antibiotics for your livestock have to come through a vet. And trying to find a large animal vet who can come see your pigs at the drop of a hat is a really, really tough thing to, tough thing to organize. So that was, that was definitely one that put me through the ringer. Um, trying to farm and work a 40-hour-a-week job was really tough. Um, like I said, up until very recently, I was working in the wine industry. And it, was, it really got to me, the fact that I wasn't able to devote as much time to the farm as I wanted because I wanted us to grow. I wanted to expand and offer different things. But when I only have a couple of hours on either side of a full day, it just wasn't happening. And so I made the decision in November last year to quit working full time so that I could focus on the farm. We've had to, you know, change the way we do things a little bit, but it's definitely, you know, it's definitely working out. It was tough at first, but we're making it work. So well, that's good to hear. And I'm sure that everything at the farm is benefiting from having those extra hours in the day devoted to growing your herds. And Yeah, I'd like to think so. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's at least keep saying that for at least a little while. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great opportunity. And I'm really grateful. We've got some amazing friends in the restaurant industry that are uh, really giving us a hand, which is fabulous. So we're lucky to have that kind of that kind of support, you know, and backup. It's great. What is the most rewarding part of being a farmer to you? You know, see, that's a tough one because it's, it's lots of little moments. It's, it's realizing just how romantic this lifestyle really is. Um, My favorite things in the whole world is early mornings, you know, late spring, early summer, walking up to the barn just before the sun comes up it is dead silent and all I can hear is birds and that I've been given an opportunity that allows me to live this sort of life is great. Um, you know, bringing a piglet into the world, watching it take its first breaths. It, I mean, and you know, we don't have kids. And so this is (laughs) for us, that's as close as it gets, but helping bring new life into the world is so incredible. And then, being able to care responsibly for that life up until the moment that that life ends and being able to pass on that amazing life to customers and clients and have them come back and say that it's the most amazing thing they've ever tasted. It's the fresh and beautiful eggs they've ever seen. And, you know, it makes you feel like you're doing something right. Um, you know, for us, at least for me, our eggs, because they're collected every day, our chickens eat grass and all sorts of stuff. They are, you know, they taste like sky and sunshine and green grass. And that, that isn't something you can get from something that's mass produced commercially. And, you know, we hope that moving forward in expanding that we'll be able to continue to offer that despite the fact that we will be growing our flock fairly exponentially, but, um, you know, there's lots of little rewards that all kind of compile into the fact that this lifestyle is such a gift and it's, it's hard sometimes and it's ugly and it's frustrating and it makes you want to quit, 
a thousand times between Sunday night and Monday morning, but it's the little things, you know, when the pigs see how it treats and the way they get all excited, it's just, there's so many little things. It's, you know, it's hard to list them all, but, uh, but yeah, those are, those are probably some of my favorite rewards. That's for sure. Well, you've officially made me quite misty here. That was beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) You seriously nailed it on the head. So that, that is, that is what being a farmer is all about. So yeah, you know, and there are challenges. It sucks sometimes. It really sucks sometimes. But, you know, we also, I think, you know, being farmers, being ranchers, we're a very, very unique breed, especially, you know, those of us that are women. We've got something that's hardwired <laughs> that you can't, you can't create that. That's, you know, that's God given. That's not something that you can work towards. You just, you either have it or you don't. <laughs> Amen to that, honey. Right. <laughs> uh, Leyland, tell us uh, what your plans are to expand the Rosebud Heritage Farm. Well, back in the early days, before I had any idea what I was doing, my whole hope was to be able to offer kind of a CSA-like program, kind of like a subscription box. Like you see, you know, everything comes in subscription boxes now, but something for local residents here in our area where they would have the ability to purchase not only heritage eggs, but also heirloom vegetables. Um, I have been seriously failing on the heirloom vegetable front. Um, Unfortunately, the, the land that we live on right now a, the soil is really tough to work with. Um, it's great for growing grapes, but um, unfortunately, most of my vegetables and most of my flowers have been complete and utter failures. <laughs> so we're in the process of looking at another piece of property that we're hoping we're going to be able to develop into some kind of garden um, so that we can do whether it ends up being a subscription box or if it's something that we just go direct to restaurants, I really want to focus on heirloom seeds, um, you know, heirloom tomatoes, heirloom corn, things like that, not only to help continue propagating the varietals, but also, you know, you know, these are seeds that have been in existence for 200 years and, uh, you know, sure, there's a commercial, you know, created in a lab version that that grows better and faster and bigger. For us, that isn't necessarily what fits our needs. So we're hoping that we're going to be able to continue the business um, and then, you know, grow it. I want to add at least another 300 chickens to my flock, which we'll see how that goes. But uh, we're hoping to add another dog here probably sometime in the next six months or so. Um and yeah, just just kind of keep plugging at it to until we get to the point where it is our, you know, our sole self-sustaining income. I'm hoping to eventually quit having to take bookkeeping clients and things like that so that I can just focus 100% on the farm. I am confident you will get there. <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> what is a piece of advice that you would give to a new farmer looking to get into the business of either raising animals or growing crops, any piece of advice? Um, you know, in all honesty, do it. Just do it. You may have to start out small. You may have to start out with no money. You only talk about doing it. You'll never do it. 
you have to jump in with both feet and it may be really tough. You may learn some really hard lessons along the way, but it's all about getting out there and doing it. And, you know, when we decided to, (laughs) correction, when I decided that I wanted to start farming, it was a, hey, by the way, this is what we're doing (laughs) sort of conversation with my fiance. And it was, I mean, we've had some trials, we've had some tribulations, we've had things go wrong, we've had to make tough decisions, but we're doing it. And ultimately, that is the best way. That and, and find a community you can rely on. You know, it's, it's amazing. Our, I love our little female farmer group. It's amazing. And as much as I just despise social media, it's amazing the people that you can find that think like you do. And so many of them are more than happy to offer advice, you know, provide a shoulder to cry on if needed. And that's the most you can ask for. Talk to farmers that have done it and lean on them and they'll be happy to give you a hand because you got to do it. You know, it's if you, if you just dream and just wish, it'll never happen. But if you dig your fingers in the dirt, you can make it work. <laughs> Again, with the misty eyes, you just, you're on a <laughs> roll. No, it's good. <laughs> It's all good. So Leyland, where can the listeners find you after this episode? Prominent platform right now is definitely Instagram. Um, it's Rosebud Heritage Farms, all spelled out. Follow along for kind of a what I do. I do my best to give a very transparent look into our location. Um, and we also have a website. Um, I've been neglecting it horribly. Um, but you can Google Rosebud Heritage Farms and you'll see information. Um, and we talk about our breeds. We talk about, you know, how we got started and things like that. And, uh, you know, if there's ever a about raising hogs or raising chickens, things like that, I am always more than happy to lend a hand or answer any questions people might have. So well, that's great. Well, it has been a pleasure talking to you this morning. Likewise, ma'am. No, this was so fantastic. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Hey guys, it's me again. I just wanted to say thank you so much to this week's sponsor, Shop Wild Rose Farmer. You may be thinking, what? Shop Wild Rose Farmer is your shop. Well, yes. Yes, it is. Proceeds from Shop Wild Rose Farmer go directly to supporting this podcast and making it possible. Consider purchasing an I Am Your Farmer t-shirt or even an I Am Your Rancher t-shirt. Check out the popular Wild Rose Farmer tank tops as well as sweatshirts, hoodies, and more. Members of the Wild Rose Farmer community receive a 20% off promo code for their first purchase from Shop Wild Rose Farmer. Head on over to wildrosefarmer.com for more information. Thanks again for listening and supporting the Rural Woman podcast. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. You can stay connected with me on Instagram at wildrosefarmer. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Plus, share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.